presse program en presse button program presse button it will start <laughs> hey everyone this. hi i'm haley i'm justine and this is in a time of ancient gods the xena podcast where we are going through every episode of Xena Warrior Princess and researching the themes and characters, myths and histories we meet in the Xenaverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've made it through season one and we've made it through five episodes of season two now. We're on season two, episode five, mm-hmm. The Return of Callisto. The and Return of Callisto. It's a dream come true. I love it. <laughs> it is. Uh. So we are recording this episode a little later than we originally planned because last week, Haley and I got to hang out in person. Can you believe it? I she can't. Was here. I was there a year and a half later. I got to go to Haley's house. We had a bonfire with a bunch of friends at Ocean Beach. Haley's husband showed me all of his amazing D&D miniature building supplies in his basement. There's a whole workshop down there. It's... I... Could not get over it. I was so inspired that he, and then he gave me some little pewter miniature molds and a little yes. like, scooping spoon. And I ordered a, a little pewter furnace as fast as I could. And I've been <laughs> smelting away at home, making Scooping goblins and, and dwarves. <laughs> Dwarf factory. I know. And I actually, I just ordered some smooth on Moldstar 15 mm, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be making my own molds. Great. I'll tell you, it's heavy when it arrives. It, oh, it wasn't You're, that bad. Oh, really? Yeah, I think maybe you guys, I think you guys get the mold. He probably, I got the trial size. I'm sure okay, he yes. orders the like 10 pound ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's better than it's, plaster, which arrives in 25 pound. Oh my God, I know. Yeah, when I used to run the art supply store, having to like slug plaster around was the worst. You know what? It's heavy. It's really heavy. People don't tell you that, but even before you add water, it's pretty it's heavy. 25 pounds of powder. It's right. That's amazing. I'm so glad you got that all set up. And it was a super fabulous time to have you here. We got to see some friends, have a little vaccinated outdoor playtime. It was so great. It was We drove around in the car and listened to music. Yeah. The best. The same car. (laughs) I know. We were in the same car together, (laughs) listening to the same songs. It was so fun. I also really enjoyed when we would get up very early in the morning and while you were making lunch for your son, I was just bombarding you with Deep Space Nine information because <laughs> that's what I've been watching. I'm on season two now. I'm a big fan of Odo, mm-hmm. the shape-shifting Odo. constable. I can't wait to learn more about Odo. You're going to love him because you see pictures of him and his face just looks like this kind of like putty, friendly guy. Yes. But he is not a friendly guy. Oh, my goodness. He's very intense. And his natural form is kind of like a secret world of Alex Mack puddle. And mm. he sleeps in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite fact. Factoid about Odo. I'm just like like early morning kitchen. And then Haley, he sleeps in a bucket. And you're <laughs> I'm like, like uh-huh. I'm awake. <laughs> it was good times. It's lovely. Great time. What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Well, um, since we last saw each other, I have been prepping for summer birthday events Mm, for my son, who's four. Since we didn't get to do much last year, I talked to another parent who said that they set up all their pretend dinosaurs as a birthday party (laughs) for their child last year. (laughs) And it was like very heartwarming, but also captured the 
That's the feeling is sad, I feel. Yeah. That's like <laughs> pandemic party. Yeah. Poor kid. No, what were we to do? That's the what kind of thing we had do? to do last year. So this year you we know. get to go outside and be in a playground. And so I'm like, we have cupcakes. We have, you know, school event, home event, playground event. Do you have a theme? Uh, not so much. We don't really have a theme. My son really likes gold. So okay. I got gold colored paper plates. and. Cute. Some gold crowns Cute. for the kiddos. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah I think he's going to like that. And uh, I think the theme is just going to be like run in the playground and see if the kids will interact with each other. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the big goal of the day. That's great. That's all you need. Yeah, it should be Aww. really fun. And so I've been doing that. I've been like writing about ship's boys and in 18th century France. Well, yeah, you're working on your project, working on that. Mm-hmm, working on my project and just, uh, you know, getting into the groove of some of that. But it's been great. It's been a good week. We also had like another outdoor get together with a few of my husband's friends, which like was the first time I'd seen them in like a year and a half or two years or something like that. <laughs> so it's been an interesting. We've all just been social. Um, Yeah, we've been social. Crazy. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we can continue doing all of that and yeah, kind of waiting to see what fall brings, but it's been a good summer so far. It's been a very nice summer so far. Mm -hmm. Because I got to share it with you. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Friend. Yay! Should we dive into this episode? I think we should. I think we should too. Okay. So uh, once again... We're season two, episode five, The Return of Callisto. Callisto, Callisto. Written by R.J. Stewart, directed by T.J. Scott, who directed the first Callisto episode, and he also directed the most recent episode before this, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And I did not write down when this episode originally aired, because why would I? (laughs) But I'm assuming it must have been in November, because the last one was right before Halloween. Yes. So, want to hear the IMDb description? I sure do. Great. When Callisto escapes from prison, she builds an army of evil and sends Joxer to tell Xena that she's going to continue killing. Perdiccas marries Gabrielle, but Callisto interrupts their honeymoon. <laughs> it's like really disjointed, but captures <laughs> all the main like, characters. Hey, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know you guys were here too. Well, she's like crashes the wedding. <laughs> Are you like here um, alone or what? <laughs> Can I join your honeymoon? <laughs> Where do we start off? Uh, Well, we we start off in a dungeon (laughs) slash prison. Uh, It looks pretty familiar. It's like your typical two-sided hallway with cells on both sides, lots mm -hmm. of cobwebs, And they're full of prisoners, full of 'er ne'er-do-wells. full of 'er ne'er-do-wells. And these are, you know, your typical prisoners as well with their hands kind of hanging out of the bars. Grasping for things. (laughs) Lots of like kind of mumbling and complaints. We're walking with an older guard who's teaching a younger guard how to feed the prisoners. It's very dark. It's dank. The whole vibe is everyone's just super bummed out being there. It's awful. And the older guard is like very disrespectful to the prisoners. He just keeps calling them piggies Mm -hmm. and telling them to thank him for the food. The use of the word piggy was pretty enjoyable. And gross. <laughs> it was gross and enjoyable. I was like, ah, we are signaled that this is a not very this is interesting not a good character. man. Yeah. <laughs> Bad man. <laughs> and they give them like some terrible looking oatmeal or Ugh. maybe it's just like flour and just water gruel. with some. Yeah, just plaster. 
Yeah, just some <laughs> plaster with some fibers tossed in so it. So gross. So they get to the end of the hall and there's a door with a little slit window. Mm-hmm. We can tell that this is like the high security room. Yes. And the older guard is like, you got to be careful with this one. And they right, they put the bowl of pellets on a pizza oven spatula oh my gosh, exactly. and shove it through. <laughs> you want to hear what I wrote? Yeah. They fill a bowl of slop, place it on a pizza oven-like spatula thing. The <laughs> camera like, That's the context. It. I was like, oh, is this really what they would have used? Or is this a pizza <laughs> oven spatula? Why not? They can't. They don't have a pizza <laughs> oven anymore, obviously. <laughs> they just filled the oven with prisoners? That's bad. I guess no. so. No, no. Who's in there? Who is this? Well, the camera follows this spatula in through the window into the cell. Mm -hmm. And then we see it's Kalisto. Kalisto. She's the most dangerous. She's killed three guards already. Oh, my God. And she's belted to a chair. It looks kind of like Like an electrical electrical Mm -hmm. murder chair. Yeah. She has no shoes on. Her arms, waist, neck, and head are all buckled in. It's really frightening. Yeah. He, the stupid guard tells her to say thank you. Yeah. And she says that before she kills him, she's going to make him squeal like a pig. I guess I just like how she says pig. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He takes the bait and comes in. Yeah. And hits her a bunch of times. Like, what a terrible guard. Obviously, she's up to something. He's like doing that, but she's on top of things and slips a dagger from his pocket while he's not looking. Yeah. And says, thank you. And her like. Kalista voice. Her, her like scary little baby doll <laughs> <Yeah>. voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then kind of later, we're back with the guards in the hallway and they're playing dice in the hall against her door. Which I know, they're is having really a wild night awful. just playing dice. <laughs> and so they're like, you know what we should do tonight? Get this dice out. dice in the alley. <laughs> and then she's using the knife to cut off her arm buckles. She frees mm-hmm. herself and picks the lock and yeah. she's just smiling the whole time where these like spooky tunes are playing. Mm-hmm. And then right as the dice hit the door, she bursts through the door and says, you lose. I know. In her Callisto Barbie voice, baby yeah. Barbie voice. It was pretty cool. And then she you screams lose. and kills everyone. And it's <laughs> yeah. hella gruesome. Single-handedly with like basically her bare hands pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And then the prisoners are all chanting, Callisto, 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 Callisto. And she She's, even kills the new guard who, like, seemed very uncertain about his position. She stabs him in the heart and smiles as he dies. I know. She's really more bloodthirsty than I remember <laughs> her being previously. Well, she's been, yeah, like, just locked up. I know. For she's probably been really like six months. How long planning has been? this for a long time, I bet. And she goes, here, piggy, 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 to mm-hmm. the old guard. I know. And then she heads into the main corridor of the prison and frees her right-hand man. And says, the healthy ones will be the new army. The weak ones will be put out of the misery. Yeah, she's very ruthless. She's frightening. And she wants that right-hand man, who I think she calls Theodorus. His name is Theodorus. To bring that weird chair thing with him. Because she knows someone it would look perfect on. (laughs) And it's like very insane. (laughs) Yeah, we know that's going to be Zeta. Yeah, she's definitely like, her brain has been further warped. By all of her own undoing, though. This is... I know. Kind of the running theme of the under theme of this episode is the power of choice and like what we do with what happens to us and how we choose to respond to it and who we mm-hmm. are in whatever That's circumstances. True. Yeah. Um, a so, powerful Xena theme altogether. A wonderful Xena theme. Mm-hmm. So then we reach the credits. And we come back. It's a forest. Some people are sleeping. It's nighttime. 
We're in sneaky person view. <laughs> yeah, point of view, someone's spying. Mm-hmm. And then person gets closer, and then they get punched in the face by Xena. Oh my gosh, the fist is uh, coming right at us. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and, and, and she's got her foot in our face now and we are Perdicus but only for a second <laughs> that's all I could take <laughs> so Perdicus who's Gabby's ex-fiance mm-hmm. who we met back in Troy in season one and Gabby like had been engaged to him but mm-hmm. then Gabby left she didn't want to part of any of this and then they yeah. met again in Troy and just a lot of stuff has happened mm-hmm. we're never I don't know I'm I'm not that impressed with Perdicus He's fine. He's fine. He's he's not egregious in any way. He's tolerable. Yeah. He's fine. I don't see it, but I'm not offended by the fact that they have the past together. I found him less convincing in this episode than in the the Troy episode, though, I think. I mean, we'll get to it. But in this one, there's just all these moments where we're like, this is an easy solution for you and everyone around you to get what they need. And Mm -hmm. instead, you're... Just choosing to like bullheadedly move forward in a way mm-hmm. that's not helping anyone. So I, I don't love that. I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's back and he just had to see Gabby. He can't stop thinking about her. Mm-hmm. And right then and there. <laughs> Perdicus is like, Gabrielle, will you be my wife? And everyone is as stunned as we are. I know, exactly. <laughs> We're all like, what? Uh, I know, yeah, Zena's face when he gets down on one knee. I do appreciate that this wasn't perceived as normal by anyone. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? I know. <laughs> yeah, Zena's like, what? And then, but she and Gabby have like such a great thing going. Mm-hmm. But how can you compete with someone from the past, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a question. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a question. <laughs> it's Zena. So I know, exactly. But she doesn't quite know. You know, yeah. she's just, but Zena's just so great at like making space for she is. anything. Yeah. And she's never going to like guilt someone into staying on her very difficult path. Yes. If exactly. They yeah. don't want to. Yeah. So then we cut to staring into the fire. Gabby mm-hmm. and Purd are catching up. They're sharing a word with Purd. <laughs> that should be his podcast. <laughs> sharing a word with Purd. What was it? I think Purd is the, um, I think on Parks and Rec, there's the the like newscaster guy is named Purd. <laughs> Purd. I wonder if it's short for Purdicus. <laughs> Probably. I don't know what else up. it would be short for. I don't know. I was going to look up Purdicus, but I did not. I'm sorry. Well, me Group. neither. He was a person, but. We will look it up for future things. When he's resurrected. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, so he's been fighting ever since Troy, but he's feeling really remorseful and, like, really depressed, actually. And Yeah, it's pretty dark. I'm like, I think you need to work on yourself, dude. Gabby's not going to fix this hole in your heart. Yeah, and he's having a lot of, like, combat fatigue and, like, so, yeah. He's going yeah. through a whole lot, and I do think, like, maybe proposing marriage at this point might not be, like, step one. But anyway. To his healing. And that Gabby is really just eating. I mean, this is, like, mm-hmm. a number one Gabby interest oh, is yeah. someone, like, sharing all of their weaknesses so she yes. can hold them for him. Yes. You know? <laughs> She's like, Absolutely. I will do this for you. <laughs> so he's been having nightmares about all the men he's killed. Mm-hmm. He almost killed himself, which is, super, this is like, 
It's wow, very hurt. sad. Yeah. But bed. then he saw Gabby's face as if she were, quote unquote, the angel of good. And Gabby's mm-hmm. like, I don't think I am who you think I am. Right. You know, we're very different now. I fight. And he's like, you never kill. And he reminds her that it was not right to get married before, but now they're ready. He loves her, but he doesn't even really know her now. He just right. loves this idea of her. I know. And then Gabby starts crying and steps away to gather herself. Yeah. Hmm. Gabby feels a lot of emotions in this, and Renee O'Connor does an amazing job. She does. Agreed. <laughs> so now we cut to... Another dungeon. <laughs> kind of. Or like what a was farm it? It was, yeah, it was like a farm. Oh, yeah. Another dungeon like question mark. Like a barn. Mark. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and there's our friend Joxer. He's trying Wielding to split a, a barrel in two. <laughs> With <He's> two kids. <laughs> praying to some children. <laughs> yeah, he has some hilarious comic relief. And Mm -hmm. the force kind of ripples through his arm and head as he's, like, whacking at this barrel (laughs) with his sword. He's so funny. (laughs) I know. And the kids are like, what are you doing? This barrel's ribbed with iron. And Joxer (laughs) says, a warrior must seek challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Which is when, who breaks through the door but... Ah, Kalisto and her her army. army. And we're reminded that the last time Joxer met her army, he wanted to join up with them. Yeah. But now he wants to fight her because Justine's influence has saved him and put yeah. him on the path for good. Like exactly. he definitely would have, he would have been dead by now if it weren't for Xena. Mm-hmm. I think. And then he has a really brave moment and says, don't make me hurt you. And he like has the kids behind him. And he's like, he's very brave. I forgot his redeeming qualities in the like years since I religiously watched Xena as a yeah. child and now. <laughs> I know, because he's always so funny, but he's really mm-hmm. hilarious, but does have a heart of gold. He does. I know. It's like the, the scarecrow. somehow. And the cowardly lion all in one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. He says, I've turned good, just like Xena. And Kalisto says, well, I haven't. Mm-hmm. And Kalisto says to ask him to bring Xena a message. I love that. People always find Joxer. I know. They're like, I know he knows Zena. He always knows (laughs) where she is, too. I know. It's a weird skill. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like, tell her every drop of innocent blood I shed from here on out is on her hands as well as mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And Kalisto heads out with her army. I know. Her nude lipstick looks really good. I always forget (sighs) that she has nude lipstick on, but it looks great. She always looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I love the more frenzied she becomes, the more I love her. Mm Mm-hmm. Next scene, we're walking down the river. Perdiccas is kind of a few meters ahead. Zena mm-hmm. and Gabby have some girl talk. Zena's like, so what's your answer going to be? And Gabby's like, well, I'm saying no. But he's so sensitive and kind. <laughs> and he, like, told me all of his weaknesses and <laughs> overshared a lot. Yeah, and Maybe Zena's like, well, why Yeah, and Zena's like, well, why don't you tell him that no? And she's like, I'm waiting for the right time. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, again, I was just so impressed with Zena's ability to make space for other people's emotions. Yeah, she's like like, super generous and just like, it's going to make me happy to see you happy. So whatever makes you happy. And it's really, I I feel like if the show was airing now, there'd be some more like overt conversations kind of Mm -hmm. about her and Gabby's like romantic relationship and like what this means. Right. For having them to like have to split up. But I think for the time it aired, Lucy did like such an amazing job really conveying everything like in the silence Absolutely. so that anyone who's watching can like kind of project anything they like want to on there. Mm-hmm. But it's like very clear she has like deep emotions about yeah. this and it's not simply like a friendship situation. Like of exactly. course there's all the regrets that she might have about like missing 
Gabby's presence as a friend, but also like there's a kind of emotional depth there that yeah. is doesn't need to be spoken out loud for us to feel it when we I see know. Zena. We love it. Zena, we love you. Yeah. And she <laughs> says, seeing you happy makes me happy. If that means settling with Perticus, then you have my blessing. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's kind of searching her face for meaning. Like she doesn't really know. We don't really know, but we do yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Joxer running over that hill. Oh my gosh, Kalista's <laughs> out. <laughs> How'd he find her? <laughs> he just has a little Xena compass. I know. I wonder She's if they magnetized. like tell him where they're going to be. Who, no, who knows? He probably knows? just has his ways. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to... Uh-oh, there's a slaughter at a nearby village. Yet again, there's a little girl caught at the center of the fighting. She's Kalisto's army is like slaughtering everybody and They're, setting everything's their on homes fire. aflame. Yeah, it's I know. Horrifying. Super terrifying. So Kalisto runs up screaming. She swipes her sword and hits the chakram. <gasps> oh my gosh, she was about to chop several people in half. Luckily that chakram got there first and it ricochets off her sword, knocking it back. And Kalisto looks back and is like, I've missed you, Zena. <laughs> you do a better Kalisto impression, and I love it so much. <laughs> Sorry, I had like a really bad foot cramp, so I was just like disassociating and trying <laughs> to fix it. 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 Eat bananas. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, eh. and then Kalisto takes the sword to her cheek, and she says, "You fight with your heart. That gives me an advantage over yes. you." As I no I longer, longer have one. Have one. <laughs> I know. It, it was like a so very much. explicit explanation. <laughs> I know. I was like, ah, oh, you don't have one. I mean, every mm-hmm. all of her evil, quippy lines are just great. Yes, like, I know. Lisa can say whatever she wants anytime. We will listen. I know. And I love Zena's like, you never wrote. I know. <laughs> oh. I love like their quips together because mm-hmm. they're so like well met in battle. Yes, you know? I like, know. Designed completely oh, to take each other on. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah. So Gilgamesh and Enkidu, it's all oh, we want. Yeah. Why can't you guys be best <laughs> more, friends? More, more, And she promises to break Zena's heart, and then she backflips away. Oh, yeah, where she says, not going to kill you now. I'm going to oh, kill yeah. your soul just like you did mine. <sighs> and then she ah. backflips away. And blows a kiss and giggles. <laughs> Why can't I do that? <laughs> I know. That's what I should do when I, like, drop off my son at daycare. <laughs> do a backflip. <laughs> Blow a kiss and giggle. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Purt and Gabby and Zena are all fighting the bad guys. Purt is a good fighter, but he hates killing. Mm-hmm. Zena sees Gabby's in trouble, and Purt is caught up in his own trauma of killing oh, no. a guy. He can't so he's, go forward. Yeah, he's just kind of like caught in this, like, oh, I've killed him. What have I done? Ah. Yeah. And Zena's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And there's kind of this like clear moment of concern of like, this guy can't keep Gabrielle safe. Like, he can't right. watch her back. It's true. Not that he needs to like protect her, but he needs right. to at least, you know, be a help well he's help. got a lot of like healing to do at this point and Zena probably recognizes this from her own yeah. exposure to battle and what soldiers yeah. and everybody go through exactly and I, you can kind of i don't know i felt like you could see her sort of coming just like running through all of this in her head at like warp mm-hmm. speed of yes. like okay like what what should i do should i like yell at him to like get up soldier and do like take care of business i can't right. do that because he's like gabby's love interest it was mm-hmm. i don't know it was just interesting and also, like, he probably can't do it. Like, he's yeah. totally consumed by his, you know, own experiences at that moment. Completely. Yeah, he's as triggered as you can get. Mm-hmm. So Gabby runs up to Purd, who's still grieving the guy, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. If you don't want to come with me, it won't change my feelings. I love you more than anything, but I'm done fighting. <laughs> he sounds like... <laughs> I, I felt like I was watching Xena just then. 
I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was like, how did you turn into Perdiccas again? <laughs> and it's was at that this first moment. point of view camera. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's like, at this moment that Gabby decides to marry him, which is uh, like, I was like, this is like kind of a quick turnaround. I mean, I guess maybe she had decided before. But this I think it was be kind like of the deciding moment. factor. This was definitely not my moment to fall in love with Perdiccas mm-hmm. at all. I, this was like my like, oh, he needs like a lot of support and help. Yeah. And, like this isn't like a romantic moment, really. Well, maybe that was a little bit of what she was feeling, too. I think mm-hmm. she was just like, yeah. I'm the only person he trusts. That's so true. So I need to be there and help him right now. But I do you know, really want to like, marry someone who you're going to be their therapist? No, yeah. you don't marry someone to be a therapist. There are other ways to help, Gabby. It's okay. You can there are other ways to help. You can be his best friend, too. His best friend. Anyway. <laughs> but then I wrote, what? They get married in a medieval <laughs> ceremony? We, like, flip directly to the ceremony. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, I wrote, oh shit, it's a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a temple with a Gnostic looking priest blessing their union. I said very Renfair. Like this is not extreme. ancient Greece at all. <laughs> it's a very Renfair wedding. So yeah, Gabby's wearing a beautiful, pretty white flowy gown. She has daisies in her hair. Yeah. Perticus is in a white blouse with a leather vest. Mm-hmm. And Joxer and Zina are attending. Joxer's the best man somehow. Which is another, I feel like a bit of a red flag. Like, <laughs> do you have any friends? <laughs> Did anyone, anyone you want to be here to wit- witness the ceremony? Well, I feel like Perdiccas and Joxer had some maybe they like, knew each friend other. time. Mm-hmm. Like something happened mm-hmm. that we didn't see where they became friends because mm-hmm. they're kind of joking later. So in like the last week, yeah, something. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was a big jump that just happened. So yes. maybe when they found the next town, they would all travel together and became like, good you friends. Know what? <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> so Zena's like not happy about no, what's going on. She's looking very sad. Gabby gives her a hug and then Perd mm-hmm. and Jocks are hugged too. I know, like they're also friends. And hanging out. Yeah. It's Gabby very Zena, surprising. It, this whole thing was surprising. I'm like, is this a fantasy? Is this a dream? Yeah, because no, it's real. <laughs> right. It's all real. Gabby and Zena step to the side for a chat. Mm-hmm. Zena tells Joxer to take a walk. And then Gabby says, I'm going to miss you so much. And Zena's like, I'll come visit you all the time, I swear. I'm like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have your own path. You have your own path. Go on. And then I wrote, LOL, Joxer and Purd are joke fighting. And it's written on Zena's face how lame this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we do not endorse this wedding. I'm sorry, no. Perdiccas. Zena's like left holding Gabby's bouquet. And she says, I'm not going to say goodbye, mm-hmm. but she definitely has to make Gabby make this important mistake. You know, she has mm-hmm. to let Gabby live her own life. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, a big part of Zena's journey, too, is like not making choices for other people yeah. and not having to, because she's so capable, but knowing mm-hmm. when to like kind of rein it back, which is a good yeah. lesson for all of us. Like when Absolutely. we are more experienced in Ugh. something to we like offer like people information. I know. Zena parenting podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Zena as parent. I know. Yeah, Zena and Captain Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) Oh, my God. How great would that be? I know. This is what you need as a manager of any situation. Leadership training and parenting. Parenting. Yeah. Have them come in as their characters. Yeah. (laughs) And discuss. People write in their parenting leadership (laughs) management questions. Yeah. And Zena and Captain Jean-Luc Picard. 
That'd be fun. We should do a Twitter of this. I follow a Jean-Luc Picard management tips oh, that's Twitter so account. Great. It's great. <laughs> I'm like, who runs this? <laughs> You're like very prolific putting stuff out every day. <laughs> They're just watching TNG every day, all day long. Relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Okay, so we're back in the wedding. Clearly, you yeah. and I don't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> like, who? Why did you invite us? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't even find the registry. I know. Like, oh, God, who organized this? Oh, here's some plates. So Gabby and Perd walk off together hand in hand. Gabby looks back and Zena waves the bouquet at her. And then he, mm-hmm. Perd is like, ready, sweetheart? Mm. Shall we? Oh, my God. Perd is left alone at the altar and she whispers goodbye. I know. She Ugh. did say goodbye. So then we cut to Gabby and Perdiccas on their wedding night. Ooh, Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> Le Francais. <laughs> Le medieval castle Francais. <laughs> Gabby looks out the window, worried Zena's going to miss her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, she's going to be alone. I have you. I'm like, Zena's going to be fine. Yeah, she'll be okay. I'm not. I mean, she'll be sad, but like, I mean, super she's sad, gonna be okay. And like, Zena's, yes, yeah. you have Perdiccas, <laughs> and no one else. No one else came yeah. to the wedding. This is gonna be a tough lift. This is like, where are you gonna go next, Gabby? <clears throat> Did you think this through? You're gonna move back home, have a farm. You're gonna be happy with that, <laughs> Do you Gabby. You know how to farm, Gabby? Yeah. Remember your dreams of being a bard? You wanted to be a writer. I know. You wanted to go on adventures, Gabby. Oh, my gosh. You don't want to take care of this guy who needs help that you are not equipped to give. Right. I know. I'm not happy about this. Ugh. So, yeah, it just feels like she's under some, like, spell. Well, it just happens really fast. I don't quite know why this was folded into the Callisto episode because Callisto's so fun. I mean, I do. We'll talk to him. We can talk about it later. Ooh, okay. I, I, I feel like, I mean, it, it seemed like the wedding was a little rushed. It, yes. it wasn't necessary for them to get married, I think. No. They could have just been like, maybe Gabby's going to try going off with him instead right. of whatever. Like they didn't. Getting married. I totally forgot that she ever got married, mm-hmm. by the way, which is part yeah. of why the wedding was such a shock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? She's I been know. married before? I know. Oh, <laughs> oh Gabby. So yeah, um, they're like in the bridal suite. They're having an awkward conversation about sex and their sexual experiences. Yeah. And then she's like, if we have a daughter, can we name her Xena? Mm-hmm. And she says she's never been with a man before. And she's very explicit about that. So it's like, we're all pretty positive yes. she's been with a lady before. Yeah. <laughs> and then Purd has never been with a man before either. Yes. <laughs> so he's definitely been with ladies before. Mm-hmm. And then they have a sex scene. Yeah. Gabby <laughs> explores her sexual self. Good for her. Good for her. Well, I'm glad she's getting that chance to explore. Me too. With someone that she loves and cares about. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like getting, she could have done this all without getting married. Totally. Yeah. Even recommended. But I guess times are different. <laughs> times are different. But more conversations about weddings. What yeah. do we What do we want to know about? Oh my gosh, it's wedding Medieval weddings Haley. in ancient Greece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my wedding magazine. <laughs> I've been researching weddings in ancient Greece, and I learned Did it look a lot. Like this? Would we have worn a leather vest and had a mm-hmm. best man? I didn't actually figure out what they would wear, but they would wear special clothes. Oh, fun. And I read two things to kind of figure it out, but one which was super helpful and concise was by Rebecca 
Hog, and it's called Marriage Athenian Style in Archaeology <laughs> Journal number 41 from 1988. Issue three. It's a funny, I know. funny title. <laughs> Athenian Style. <laughs> but they think also that it may be a kind of widespread across Greece. There's just a lot of sources on Athens. <clears throat> um, as I do before I begin these, uh, good, you've got your glasses. I know. I stepped on my glasses earlier, so I was just checking to see. <laughs> do they still fit? Just wiggle so, them. They'll be fine. Oh, it looks so sad. I know. That's the worst. But, but Warby Parker is pretty sturdy. So Good to know. There you go. Great. They look good. They look like one ear might need to be. I know. I think they're squiggled. also going under my headphones. This is not good radio. <laughs> Tell me about. <laughs> Which you can't see. Okay. <laughs> And then the other one I looked at was John Howard Oakley and Rebecca Sinos's The Wedding in Ancient Athens, by, oh. published at University of Wisconsin Press in 1993. Weddings in ancient Greece didn't look too much like this. Um, they began; they were kind of more formal and civic, generally. Of hmm. course, a lot of the source material probably is is coming from like very normative weddings, and this may not have been the kind of wealthy. You know, this is kind of an outsider wedding. It has Gabby and Zena yeah. and Perdiccas, and they're doing things a little differently, I'm sure. Yeah. But in Athens, when you had two people who were citizens of Athens, they would get married beginning with the process of betrothal, which was an agreement between the groomsman-to-be and the father of the bride-to-be. And it was kind of could be agreed upon at any time prior to the marriage, I guess with probably some reasonable time in between. But it could be agreed upon while the bride was still a child. Hmm. And while the, because it was basically kind of a legal agreement rather than kind of a love arrangement between partners. And it was pretty frequent that the bride and groom. Was that the same for like lower class, not like lower class citizens too? Would people marry for love or is it more likely like business arrangements? I imagine that, I actually don't know. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't speculate too far, but I imagine that many of these patterns would have maybe applied to with like less expensive ceremonies and kind of to citizens or kind of families that had less wealth as well. And there was usually, it seems to have been the case that some age gap was recommended, like the groom was supposed to be around 30 and the bride could be as young as 14. But there are also written sources that suggest that they were closer in age. And I think the Hmm. primary reason for the age of the groom, um, it's been suggested is that they would be likely of age to inherit property and kind of support a... Yeah, or build any kind of wealth. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you're like also 14, what do you have to offer? Not much. (laughs) Yeah, not so much. You know, I think people aren't really sure exactly what ages people were, but Mm -hmm. it was very common for the wife to be significantly younger than the husband, it seems. Yeah. And the purpose of marriage was was generally this kind of contractual arrangement between families to ensure yeah. procreation, basically. So It also seems like probably the younger you are, the less likely to like die in childbirth or have any kind of like childbirth complications. Yeah, one right? would think, up to a point. Like one, yeah. Was yeah. menopause like around the same age back then? This is a specific question that doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> I have wedding. no idea. I know, interesting. But, yeah, but I'm sure that, you know, if you're considering also, for example, infant death rates. If you want to have enough children or over a certain period of time, it's hard to start when you're 30, you know, or so, or 40. But people did have many, many children and over those years as well. And named them all Xena. 
and named each one Zena. <laughs> Zena, Zenon, Zena, Zena. <laughs> for 12 years. <laughs> so the ceremony was, it's interesting. It's It definitely struck me as something where it was probably, you know, people have commented on it being kind of a scary thing, like marriage Ooh. being frightening for women, especially because they're leaving their home yeah. to go with a man they've never met before to his yeah. house. Be taken um, somewhere strange. Mm-hmm. But it was also this kind of, especially I assume for wealthy families, this kind of rich um, envelopment and community and celebration of your ascendance to the next stage of life. And part of the reason that marriage was considered like a dangerous rite of passage for Greeks was that it was supposed to be this culmination of your, the stage of your life. Mm. And so it was like a place where you might invite the envy of the gods. So it required a lot of sacrifice and dedication to gods to kind of go forward smoothly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So in Athens, which gods would you be offering things to? Any, well, any like mm-hmm. patrons of your household or was there a particular? It seems like many gods were honored, but hmm. primarily Artemis and Aphrodite. Hmm. And then Hymen seems to be mentioned a lot too, the god of marriage. Although hmm. I wasn't able to find figure out like what sacrifices were offered to him and what his specific connection to marriage was. And I'll mention mm. that a little bit at the close. But yeah, so they would like, Athenians would bring sacrifices and dedications to the gods and women entering marriage might offer like symbols of childhood, like a mm. lock of hair or childhood toys or clothing to Artemis mm. among sacrifices to many other gods and goddesses. And one of the dedications cited by Hog is... Hog goes as follows. Timarete, daughter of Timaretos, before her wedding, dedicated her tambourines, her pretty ball, the net that shielded her hair, her hair and her girlhood dresses to Artemis of the lake, a girl to a girl, as is fit. You, daughter of Leto, hold your hand over the child and protect the pure girl in your pure way. So this kind of appeasement of Artemis as the guardian of younger girls. Yeah. And so we would they would continue with those sacrifices and the bride and groom's families would also perform sacrifices to various gods and some of the meat from those sacrifices would be used in the feast that would follow. Hmm. So after the sacrifices the bride and groom would be bathed in special water from a spring or river mm. which would be carried home, I know, in a special vase and it was like a procession so the bride would go with other young girls to carry the water back and then they'd have a special wow. bath. I'm transported. Really Can nice. you imagine? Yeah, just like walking back <laughs> with your friends. I know. Like after your beautiful bath together yes. and everyone's just celebrating. That yeah. sounds so nice. It's super nice. Yeah. Aww. And then they get dressed and the bride would wear, they think maybe like a violet or red gown or some, mm. a gown with some element of those colors and a bridal girdle and a crown and bridal veil. And I the like crown may have girdles. been a, like asparagus or other asparagus. Kind of, yeah, I don't know why, but that was mentioned. Huh. Or maybe like metal asparagus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's it's a like lot not of kind a culturally of like... sensitive laugh, but it was it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like asparagus? Okay, I'm lots like, of people, is... but they liked it then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of like fertility stuff, so you'll mm-hmm. notice this. With the groom, too, who was anointed with perfume and also given a special crown that mm. had sesame seeds and poppy and cress and myrtle and mm. mint. 
So kind of herbs and grains associated with fertility. Yeah. The fertile earth upon your brow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They said that too. (laughs) And she also, apparently the bridal sandals were a thing. Like there were special bridal shoes that the bride would wear as well. It sounds fancy. Yeah. And then they'd have a big feast and everyone would come and friends and families would come and they'd have bridal cakes made of sesame seeds and honey. And the feast was like a super kind of sacred celebration for everyone to be together and bonded through the consumption of these sacrificial. So it would be all families coming together or is it like a civic thing? Everyone in town is there too. Okay. Yeah. But they did mention that like, like sources from the time mentioned that Like this would have been a very notable celebration. So like people would have known around the town that there was a wedding that day. So probably like not being invited maybe was a thing too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. The feast also served as like the legal evidence of the marriage since there were so many people there. Oh, okay. So it was, that was kind of like one of the main ceremonies of the wedding. And at nightfall, after the feast and when the evening star Hesperus had appeared in the sky, the time came for the bride and groom to depart. And so this begins the... <laughs> woo! Then everyone goes, woo! <laughs> it begins a procession. So the girls and young men at that time, like, have a song competition. Oh, cool. Like a ceremonial song competition <laughs> where the girls sing about how sad it is that the bride is leaving her family mm-hmm. and the youths sing about how great it is that, like, They'll be joining the families and things. Aww. And ceremonially, the groom side always wins, right? Because you want it to be a marriage. Yeah. And at that point, the groom would take the bride by her wrist and lead her to the coach. Little chariot thing? It was not Wagon. a chariot, although it's often depicted as a chariot. And mm-hmm. it was like a cart kind of. Okay. They could ride in. And the bride's mother would lead the procession with a lighted torch, which is a sign of her protective presence over the hearth. It's nice. Mom. I know. They you of her. That's nice. I know. And then like young boys would follow that and then a chorus of girls dancing and music. What a great party. I know. It sounds really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and amazing. And they would kind of travel and, and lead the coach all the way to the groom's household where the groom's mother would be waiting with a lit torch as well to welcome the bride and groom Aww. in. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a very, you know, as much as it's a very formal and civic arrangement, it's also a very communal rite of passage where everyone is kind of recognizing this change together. And that's so nice to just have that formalized acceptance and welcoming Mm -hmm. of the the very young and frightened bride into the new home. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure there were, you know, warm and cold receptions. Yes. (laughs) But the ceremony itself kind of at least makes it so that the bride is officially welcomed into the house yeah. and kind of everyone sees it. Yeah, and, not like um, in Rebecca, where the not like in just Rebecca. shows up. Yeah. <laughs> where she's like, I just got married. <laughs> and then everyone's like, what? <laughs> How dare you come here? Yeah. Mrs. Dan- There's no yeah. Mrs. Danvers here. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's very different from Rebecca. Great point. <laughs> so yeah, and like sources are like, the festal bloom and dance and splendor embraced the whole town during these celebrations. And so everyone could kind of witness this moment in especially the bride's life of kind of transitioning yeah. from girlhood to adulthood. 
And it's nice to have that part of the celebration that's kind of out in the open, too. So, mm-hmm. like, anybody in, in town can just throw yeah. a streamer or get excited or whatever <laughs> they're going to do. Woo! Or ooh! Yeah. Or just like, congratulations! Right. Yeah. Yeah, so at the groom's house, they would have some dried fruits and nuts and coins, which is a ritual mm. called the catechismata. And it's interesting, the same ritual through which new enslaved people were initiated into the household. So you also have this kind of initiation aspect that's about kind of bringing a new member into the household and these kind of symbols of fruits and nuts and coins. Wow, they would have rituals for bringing enslaved people into the house too? Yes, I know. Wow. So this is kind of like formally recognizing the growth of the household and hoping, at least on the part of the enslavers to, or the mother of the bride, to ensure prosperity going forward. Interesting. I know. So I wanted to look more into that, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So yeah, so that was kind of this formal recognition of her incorporation into a household and and probably also the expectation that she would bring prosperity and kind of increase to the this particular household. Mm-hmm. So then they'd go into the bridal chamber Ooh, again. <laughs> and the bride was expected to kind of ceremonially receive food from her husband, kind of like hmm. um, Persephone and Hades Aww. as a sign that she accepted her husband's support. And then they close the door. Oh, wow. <laughs> Seal the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and the groomsmen would like stand by the door and the bride's friends would kind of sing loudly and like hang out by the door and just be loud for the whole night. Yeah, so, so no one would like barge in. That's yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. And the next day everyone would come and bring them presents, especially presents to the bride. Oh. Uh-huh. And a lot of the presents were, like, associated with Aphrodite. So the bride would get, like, perfumes and combs and toiletries and clothing. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And, like, pictures of this have the brides depicted, like, in the pose of Aphrodite, sometimes with their breasts exposed to kind of signal Mm -hmm. their sexuality now. Yeah. Yeah, and they're crossing the threshold into womanhood. Is exactly. Really nice. Give all these gifts at that point. Yeah. In recognition of that. That's lovely. Right. And kind of descriptions associated with motherhood, too. So it was a very kind of, it was like a long ceremony. Yeah. And like <laughs> a ceremony. Is that like go, three days, two days? Three days, kind wow. of from the, yeah, the sacrifices to the bathing to the procession to the gifts. Hmm. But it was very super communal. And, like, that doesn't mean it was always super happy, but it was super kind of, like, part of a community recognizing that this was a giant change in particularly the woman's life, but in also the family's lives and how they would arrange themselves, orient themselves to each other. So in this episode, we don't get any of that. We don't get a lot of that. This is basically an elopement. Yeah. But, you know, they're relating it to, like, I was thinking about it, and they're relating it to modern women's experience, which is— That marriage is not the culmination of our lives and adventures. Yeah. And hopefully not for Gabby as well. She'll kind of continue on to pursue her own development and like interests and becoming a woman in her own terms rather than through marriage. Just a caretaker of this person. (laughs) Yeah. That's just, that's my concern is that rather than being partners and helping each other grow and continue to go on adventures and pushing each other to be better, that she's just going to be trapped in helping this person who's in mental crisis. Yeah. I mean, this is typical Gabby being interested Mm. in kind of the expression of need for her rather than an equal partnership. 
which may relate to her interest in cults as well. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, so So we're a little concerned about her. We are. So in your research, uh, had you read anything about elopements? Was that something that ever happened? I didn't see anything about elopements. I would be surprised if there was a lot of like non-textual, non-like literary evidence of elopements. But Mm -hmm. part of the reason marriages were seen to be so dangerous was because if you didn't perform the correct sacrifices to the gods, and if you kind of messed up the ceremony, you could be like killed by the gods. Interesting. And I didn't look up all of the legends of that, but Hyman, who I still can't quite figure out why he's associated with marriage, except for that, like the etymology of the name is about joining. Yeah. And so, and that's the same with kind of the the anatomical hymen is it's like a similar etymology so they're not even really related mythologically at all Mm. but it's just about joining together Mm. but he in at least one myth he was killed on his wedding day when his home was broken down Mm. and in another myth he basically was an athenian of low birth and he fell in love with a wealthy girl but couldn't marry her until he d- disguised himself as a woman and went along with the women on a procession to Eleusis. <laughs> but then they were captured by pirates and he orchestrated their escape. And then they came back to Athens and he was like, I'll give you back the women if you let me marry this girl. And they were like, okay, you can marry her. And then he and the girl lived happily ever after. And so that's why he's associated with marriage. I have never heard of him before. And that story was amazing. <laughs> I know. It's like, pirates? <laughs> what? disguises is it mr rochester (laughs) (laughs) so he was just made a demigod because people some gods liked him like does he have any ancestry because there's also like legends that he was the son of apollo and a muse Mm. or that he was the son of dionysus it's kind of like you know he may be one of those gods who just there's not like a very clear extant mythology of him yeah well if he was if part of his myth is like on the road to the illusinian mysteries Mm -hmm. that makes me think i mean definitely yeah tying to dionysus and bacchus and apollo but he's probably like much more ancient and something to do with prophecy and something to do with i don't know all these other things but that's crazy that he was that's just crazy i've never heard of this guy before like i think people know that he's the god of marriage because he's often evoked yeah. during the procession by mm-hmm. the boys singing i think and they're hmm. like where are you hymen or <laughs> <laughs> where are you hymen the boys win this one <laughs> okay they win let them get married singing it <laughs> you won it okay <laughs> so, that's yeah. great but i you know i think iphigenia Mm-hmm. Is sacrificed, but like she's tricked into it by them pretending it was going to be a wedding. I can't quite remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> so if you don't do do it right, then there's like supposedly divine punishment. Yeah, but surely people eloped, and particularly characters like you know in the Xena sphere where your mm-hmm. Xena is the stranger to all but also yeah. friend to all Eternal and the stranger. best person ever <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> then sometimes you might get married 
off the road in some kind of weird shrine where you found somebody. But the thing is, they don't need somebody to like come and say the words, right? So the presence of a priest is also a very kind of like post- yeah. Like, what is the legality? Are they having to sign something, or it's just having nope. the presence of everyone? So you can just say we're married. Yeah, like if you if they if you have people who were at the feast, mm-hmm. then people can be like. Hey, those guys were married because I saw it. I was at the feast and the families yeah. were there. The sacrifices had been performed. So if the sacrifices like, are performed poorly, um, is there then God retribution on everyone involved in the wedding or just the wedding party? I don't know. I would I don't know the answer, but I suspect it's like just the wedding party or okay. just the people. Just like how dangerous is it? Would it then like curse the whole I guess if everyone there is family? Mm-hmm. then it would probably affect everybody there. Okay. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. <laughs> Just in case we want to Wondering get about my, my own, yeah. <laughs> Sacrifices. The choice Gotta about who I invite. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, there didn't seem to be like a ton of specifics about exactly how you, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody knows, but um, yeah. maybe in that marriage in ancient Athens, that would like probably have more details in the like sacrifices section of the chapter. Mm-hmm. No, it would have been fun in this episode to have them like do a real- Oh my gosh, I know. I was just thinking about like have some gods. how amazing that like like a historical movie where they're actually having a Greek wedding from ancient yeah, Greece would be. Yeah, my big fat Greek wedding, but for real. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my big fat ancient Greek wedding. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> imagine, I mean, the emotions of like going through, you know, this is like a, as the bride, like, you know, this yeah. is like the formal like initiation for you into adult society. Yeah. And like, you're probably a little excited. You get to wear all these special things and have a special bath and your friends are yeah. there. But you're telling me about like, this. I was completely transported. I was like, I am in this bridal party. I know exactly what the air smelled <laughs> like and the earth below my feet. <laughs> I'm singing my sandals, the songs. I miss them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's like one like off reference to like a, vase in which you see people like throwing sandals at the bride and groom but I couldn't uh-huh. see the sandals in the vase so I didn't really like <laughs> I was like didn't go into it that far but they were like this is the only evidence that sandal throwing was part of the <laughs> wedding ceremony <laughs> it's like I don't even see sandals here what are you don't talking you love about that researcher who was like what's this <laughs> are they throwing sandals finally <laughs> I knew it <laughs> this proves it <laughs> they start weeping oh uh, yeah <laughs> Over there, yeah, pottery. But yeah, it sounds super fun. And like, it reminds me a lot of early modern weddings, which are also Mm -hmm. very communal. And like, if you ever see The Return of Martin Gare, which is like a film adaptation of a history book about a 16th century trickster who (laughs) tricked an entire village into thinking he was someone he wasn't. Oh, this sounds good. It's super good. You've got to watch it. And it's like pretty historically accurate because... They had Natalie Zeman Davis, who wrote the book, come in and inform Mm -hmm. them on how it would have been. But they have these kind of Sharivari who are like young men of the village who are there to like cause a ruckus when things are not exactly done right. Oh, fun. So you get to see like all of those kind of you get a sense of like the experience of being a woman in a society where your motherhood and wifehood is really respected. Yeah. And then when those are kind of challenged, also the kind of vulnerability of women when they're not in those positions. It's a it's a great little historical romp. I recommend it. It's in French, but it has subtitles. Bonjour. Oh, bonjour. <laughs> 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 
we're bridal chamber. <laughs> what was the movie called? <laughs> the Return of Martin Gare. And that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll yeah, be so able to much, find it. It has Gerard yeah. Depardieu in it. Yeah. Plus yeah, whenever others. you and I are doing like terrible Frenchman impressions, mm-hmm. I'm really just imagining blind pew from up <laughs> yeah. at Treasure Island. <laughs> A pretty little girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. It's so great. All right. Uh, so Thank you, Haley. Oh, my pleasure. That was, a, that was great. I enjoyed looking it up. It was super fun. Now to find out where we are. They just got married and they... Oh. It's the next morning. They had their wedding night. Next Mm -hmm. morning, we are back with Xena. Yes. And Xena is still on task because she's Xena. Yeah. She's not going to take a night off because there was a wedding. She's like, I had a great time at the wedding. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still working. (laughs) I got to leave early. So Xena walks up behind Theodorus. She's Mm -hmm. been spotting him. And she puts the pinch on him. Oh, my gosh. Wah, 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 wah. She asks where Callisto is. We don't, he doesn't know where she is. Yeah. But she does actually. And Callisto's going after Gabby. Oh my gosh. <gasps> uh oh. So then we go to a beautiful sunlit field. Mm-hmm. You can feel the warmth of the sun it's on your so cheeks. It's so beautiful. I love the it's lighting so, in this episode, actually. It's really, yeah, it was Gabby really nice. Gabby looked super great. She was, yeah, it was very like glowy. Yeah, you can just. Feel that when you're just like out with your mm-hmm. loved one and the sunshine. Yeah. And it's just like nothing, nothing but love. Nothing mm-hmm. else can bother you. It's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And Gabby and Perdiccas are having it right now. They're yeah. like making out in the field. There's nothing mm-hmm. else but the two of them. Except. Listo shows up. She's come to find uh, Gabby. She's come to find Gabby. She runs up to them and draws her sword. Mm-hmm. And Perdiccas puts himself between Callisto and Gabby. And is like, what do you want? We're unarmed. It's I like, know. You, you really, sh- I don't, he thinks that that's going to work with her. It's not. No. He hasn't, maybe he doesn't really know Callisto that he well probably, yet. He haven't probably talked. I'm like, really, you want to marry into this family, Perdiccas? <laughs> like, you don't know all the enemies Gabby has. <laughs> <laughs> She's gathered a few. <laughs> no. So she cuts him up and kicks him down. I know. And kicks Gabby. I know. And then Xena shows up because Xena always shows up. Of course, up. just on time. Riding in on Argo. Oh, and she does a jump spin and knocks Callisto um, out right yeah, before. Yeah, in the chest. She, yeah, before she gets to stab Gabby. Mm-hmm. And they fight a little bit. <laughs> Wes and... said, there's a lot of yelling going on because it's a callisto Zena <laughs> fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just love Callisto's screams. Yeah. Are my favorite. Ugh, they are. I'm sorry, but they're the best. They're so frightening. They're bone chilling. Yeah. There's so and much rage manic. in them. Yeah. I mean, like we've said it before, but it's like, yeah, the woman burning in the attic. Yes. Kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening to her soul. And we feel it. Oh, Just as much as we felt it. that sunshine on the field. Now we're feeling Callisto rage. Now we're feeling it burning inside of us. Mm-hmm. So Callisto runs up and stabs Perdiccas in the stomach. And then rides away screaming. Yeah. Xena's super mad. Gabby's sobbing. Yeah. I know. I felt bad for Gabby. And then Perdiccas is dead. Well, yeah, that's awful. It's awful. Luckily, Xena's there to sing the funeral dirge over the pyre. Yeah. So, yeah, we cut to the funeral pyre. Like, we love hearing Xena sing the funeral dirge. Mm -hmm. But it's always 
a horrible time yes. when we hear Zena sing this funeral dirge. Yes, absolutely. Gabby is so heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And she says... I know, she's so angry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her rage is so palpable. I it's, know. Scary. She's great. It's really frightening. Mm-hmm. And she says, from here on, all she wants is... Kalisha's blood on her hands. Saying, yeah, I was like, what did I write? Yeah, she wants Kalisha's <laughs> blood on her hands. Yeah. And Zena's like, let me deal with Kalisto. Like, right. You're mourning. Yeah. You're not a great fighter. There's no way you can take her down. I mean, mm-hmm. she, Gabby's good, but she doesn't know how to kill anybody. Yeah. And Kalisto is, like, super good. Like, she took yeah, down she, that entire jailhouse yeah. of jailers. I mean, like, the only one better than Kalisto is Zena. Yeah. Exactly. And Zena's, like, confident that she can take her down, but also knows she can't make a single mistake. Right. It's going to be a Ugh. real fight. Yeah. But Gabby wants to take on Kalisto in the morning anyway. And she says, I have the rest of my life to mourn. I want to see her dead. Uh, and then she's going to go after her, whether Zena's coming or not. Yeah. Come the next morning, she's slashing at a tree. Zena comes, and it's, like, time to go after Kalisto. We have yeah. some very strange, like, low-angle shots and back and forth between them. We're yeah. seeing like they're under their chin shots. Yeah, it was a little, I wasn't quite sure what we were trying to do here. I think mm-hmm. just making it like we're unsettled. We're unsettled. For we're unsettled, sure. romantic. Like Gabby has no sense of herself or the yeah. future. All she, She's just single-minded. Our perspective is very disturbed. There you go. She says, if Kalisto dies with me, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then she turns on Xena and she's just like furious that Xena never taught her how to use a sword. And Xena's just like, I mean, holding as much space as she possibly can Mm -hmm. to, like, be the punching bag and to be, like, everything that Gabby needs her to be while she's grieving. And she's, Zena says, I'm not going to help you destroy all the ideals that you live by. And then Gabby's just like, my ideals were a lie. And it's, it is really hard to stick by your ideals when they're challenged. Yeah, it is. Gabby's, like, attempting to stab Zena and. Yeah. It's sad. it's really sad and dark and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And Kalisto, she's like, Kalisto's one. Um, but Zena refuses to teach Gabby how to use a sword. And Zena, yeah, just like keeps kicking it away. And mm-hmm. then she's like, the innocent Gabby is dead. There's no getting her back. And then like finally. Zena's nightmare. This is like absolutely Zena's nightmare. And then finally, Zena's just like, okay, you're so determined to do this. Mm-hmm. At least I can teach you how to do something. So right. you're not like so pissed at me right now. Mm-hmm. So she's like, a sword is not a staff. You have to learn how to parry. You have to keep your eye contact and anticipate the next move. Mm-hmm. This part was so freaking intense when Gabby's just like manic. I know. Teach me how to kill her. Teach me, teach me. I'm going to kill her. And it just like, it sounds, you know, just like Callisto when Callisto is in her like crazy yeah. manic. It's frightening space. True. So is Zena making another Callisto at this moment? We is that what's know. happening? I don't know. What choice is Gabby going to make? Mm, hard to say. So from there, we skip over to Callisto's cave. There's candles, and she's sitting in that weird chair. There's There's drums. People are are dancing. It's a party. It's a party. There's music. There's drinks. She looks Mm -hmm. kind of lounged. She's bored a little bit. Yeah. And Theodorus comes up and says, a beverage, my queen. (laughs) And she's like, are you falling in love with me? Yeah. But she also, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she also doesn't drink intoxicants mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to dull her senses, which yeah. I thought was an interesting character trait. I know. She's super sharp. Yeah. I could see that about her. Yeah, but Theodorus is also definitely falling in love with her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she says that love is a trick nature plays to get us to reproduce and wants no part of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting, Kalisto. <laughs> <laughs> interesting thought. 
Interesting hmm. thought. And then Gabby and Joxer are in the dark hiding by a stone. I hear that Xena's going to go attack in the morning. And she's like going out into the woods to pray. Gabby's just like, where is she? She should be back by now. She's oh, kind of yeah. jumpy. Mm-hmm. And then Xena's like, you, if you really want Callisto to get what's coming to her, you have to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And then Gabby's just so blinded by hatred and anger that everyone's an enemy and no one understands her. And she's just like so broken. And yeah. I think Renee O'Connor just plays this so well. Of like, it's just all of the the stages of grief and anger. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. And this is kind of Gabby's like first real trauma, I think. I mean, there was like when Xena died, but then she came back. Yeah, right. I know. Right? I think. I was trying to remember also, like, I feel like there are times when Gabby does move into this like anger space. Yeah. But this is the other time with this was when, yeah, was when Xena died. Like, this Mm -hmm. is the. That, you know, quote unquote died. And yeah. was that with Kalisto? Oh, it was Kalisto shot her with that poison dart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We all thought that Xena died. Yeah. And then that was like, Gabby went through this then, but she was like, I have to take on Xena's mantle and become Xena. Mm-hmm. And so like, right. whose shoes does she step into now? Kalisto's? Who knows? Who knows? What's she going to do? And then Xena goes into the woods and prays. Yeah. And I like the way she put it. She was like, she said she couldn't stand the darkness that would follow if the light in yeah. Gabby's eyes went out. And that I was, was like, that's so a really meaningful sad. way to like discuss this transformation that she's seeing in her friend and yeah. like how hard it would be for her to follow Gabby through that journey too. Because yeah. it's been a lot for Xena to leave behind her darkness and then to, you know, see Gabby go through a similar process and truly be there for her. Like, I think Xena probably understands that really deeply, the cost that that would be for her. But then to, like, cross this new threshold of being a mentor through that, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure she's just like, I'm not qualified to teach someone how to do this. I'm just figuring it out myself. Right. Our sweet Xena. I know. She doesn't get to (laughs) lean on people very much, you know? She has to take care of everyone all the time. I know. Okay, but Gabby is eavesdropping, and she right. she's hearing this. Mm-hmm. And so when Zena gets back, Gabby's like, "I'm just gonna go home and mourn. It's fine." I know. And Zena's like, "I'm a little weirded out by that, but okay." But great, do it. Awesome. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Like how sudden the change is. I don't know. It, it does feel a little bit like everyone's just kind of putting this idea on Gabby and trying to hold her in mm-hmm. this little girl space of innocence and just being the savior for everyone else. Mm -hmm. But she also gets to be her own person. And I feel like, like Xena wrestles with that. And I Mm -hmm. think understands um, pedestalizing someone versus letting them be who they are and helping them. Right. But it it is an interesting episode for Gabby. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Where am I? So yeah, so Xena and Jocks are like getting ready to go to Kalista's cave and but and Gabby had said like I'm gonna head out right now. I'm just gonna right. Go. She's going. So Gabby's like, gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Zena's like, yeah, that's weird. So in the morning, it's just Zena and Joxer, and then and just as predicted, everyone's asleep when the camera enters the cave. Oh, but wait, a little bit before that, when Joxer is like, he says, Zena, I know you don't care for me, but I care about Gabrielle, and I'd Aww. sacrifice my life for her. Oh, Joxer. And, and I thought that really kind of fed the storyline a little bit more about mm-hmm. him and Perticus being friends and him mm-hmm. being a part of that wedding was like, oh, you're actually really a part of these people's lives. And yeah. they're probably the first people who ever like allowed you to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Even if they make fun of him a little bit, they really yeah. allow him to save people and help. Right. And it's also like a a really sweet thing for him to say to Xena too, where she's trying yeah. to feel like she has to hold 
Gabby entirely. And he's like, no, I'm also here and I can. Yeah. I'm here, you know, no matter what also. Yeah. So even if like, no matter what her and Joxer's relationship, just like knowing that Gabby Mm -hmm. is also held by this other person is, I'm sure, some kind of relief. Ugh. Ugh. Thank so you for it's exhausting. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, but Juxer had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was really important. Oh, yeah. Oh, then she says, you've got a good heart, but keep it away from Callisto. Yeah. Yeah. Good so advice. now we're in the party room. Everyone's passed <laughs> out. It's a party room. Everyone's Ooh, asleep. Slumber party. Callisto's on her throne, passed mm-hmm. out. And I was like, how did she not have guards stationed? Well, it's like obviously a setup. I mean, yeah, Callisto would never Obviously, she's just not asleep. Pass out she's like never slept in like. No, she doesn't sleep. 17 years. No. Ugh. So Gabby sneaks up on her and has a sword at her throat. Can she do it? Mm-hmm. She's like flashing back to her, like some defining moments. And Perdiccas loved her because she wouldn't take a life. And maybe she feels like Xena loves her goodness also. And yeah. she also knows that she herself has like tried to stop Xena from getting stuck in revenge cycles yeah. too. And yeah, so I she's think kind definitely- of- yeah, she's kind of like checking back in with herself about her responsibility to other people too. And mm-hmm. she is responsible for guiding, helping other people find and see another way mm-hmm. that's not just violence. And she does have a role in the world of helping other people. And yeah. it goes against everything that she values in herself. Mm-hmm. Right. To like do this. checking in about her responsibility to herself and to other people too. Yeah. And she drops her so she sword, drops. but she drops it so loudly. But Kalisto is probably <laughs> awake already. Yeah, Kalisto's just like, hmm. <laughs> oh, no. She's like, I don't understand her. Gabby won't take a life, even hers. She'd rather die. And Kalisto puts the knife to her throat and says, but you will. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gabby has this, like, real dead inside face. Yeah. That was really sad. I know. And Kalisto's so excited. Yeah, she's just gonna make this a grand show of this death mm-hmm. she's so happy everything's what she was great for her. yeah then we cut to xena sneaking in all the guards were just pretending to be asleep no, and they pop up and pull swords on her it's a trap ah Callisto has gabby tied to some wood <laughs> yeah they build a giant like frightening witch's funeral pyre yes. in this like cave it's room cave. it's gonna get awfully smoky in there i know i'm like you guys Ugh. can you breathe they tie gabby to it Callisto got the chakram from Xena. Xena's mm-hmm. bolted in the chair, oh, exactly yeah. how Callisto was when we first met her. Mm-hmm. And Callisto's like, how are you going to get out of this one? Oh, see, your Callisto impression's <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love her so much. Uh, she's so great. And then Xena says, it ain't over till it's over. Great oh quips. These yeah. are ideal. Mm-hmm. And then Callisto envies Gabby, leaving Earth so pure. Yes. Wonders if she could have been her. Burn her. <gasps> ah, oh, no, they've Zena's, lit the wood. They're going to burn they, Gabby. They're going to burn her alive. Oh, ah. no, Zena has to watch. Zena's not happy. She's trying to struggle out of the chair. She's mm-hmm. watching the fire burn. And then... <gasps> Here comes Doxer. He pushes Callisto just enough to put the chakram in the range of Zena's foot. Woohoo! And then she yeah, lifts the chakram off. Joxer says, I'm here to save my friends. Yeah. And Kalisto's like, I'm going to mock Joxer. But she I know, says and in a Kalisto voice. Yeah. <laughs> in her and head. he gets shot with an arrow and passes <gasps> out. Oh, no. But he did a great job. He did he everything did he needed job. to do. And Xena cuts her bonds, throws the chakram, cuts through Gabby's <laughs> bonds, too. Wing, 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 wing. Throws herself over the chair backwards to hit a bad guy in the chest. Ugh. Gabby gets I've a staff. I've got these things. Ugh. So much to learn. There's so, so many skills that mm-hmm. Zena has. Yeah, Zena Gabby escapes. grabs a staff. 
They're kicking everyone. Mm-hmm. Callisto loves it. I, I love how much she loves when Xena escapes. Oh my gosh, I love it too. <laughs> She's like, finally a battle. <laughs> again, again. I know. More. And then Xena uh, catches a cracking whip in her hand, then uses it to swing and kick yes. everyone. Yes. Sin jumps and gets her sword back. Foot vision kicks all over Ugh. the place. Kalisto's delighted. Mwah, She's like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you say it. She goes like, oh, how I do love watching you work. She's very excited. <laughs> oh, I didn't write that down. <laughs> I just wrote down, how good are you at chariots, Zena? <laughs> so good. I know. And she backflips out the door again. She's like, this is the most efficient way for me. Oh I have my to God, choose my own so path. Good. Uh, and then Gabby says, get her, Xena. And the chariots are just waiting at the sea cave entrance because yes. they were at a sea cave. Oh, my gosh. And I love that Callisto uh, expected this. Yes. She's like, like <laughs> now hook up the two chariots. I want them to look like seaweed chariots. Oh, my God. And it's obvious that Xena's great at chariots. Yes. She's like, let's do chariots. I think Xena's good at it. <laughs> two chariots. So they fight, whip each other. Mm-hmm. Callisto has blades on the wheels of her chariots. Oh my gosh. And then and these chariots Zina are whi- so cool. They have They're like really seaweed cool. trailing off of them and they have like yeah. giant ram's horns and scales on them and uh, stuff. It was designing this that whole those part. chariots must have been really fun. I'm sure it probably wasn't super fun for them to film on the beach, but it's really great yes. to watch all of them. Like, oh I gosh. love their beach antics. Mm-hmm. Same. Okay, so they're fighting, whipping each other. Callisto has blades on the wheels. Xena whips the back of Callisto's chariots and drags behind it. Oh my gosh. Slowly pulling herself up, which is like a form of torture. Yeah. And Xena's just capable She's like, my of doing skin it. Is made of nails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm harder than the earth. <laughs> Callisto's screaming. Xena climbs her way up the chariot and then they fist fight yeah. on the chariot. It's so Oh my great. gosh. And Callisto like screaming at the horses to go faster was like <sighs> extremely frightening. I was like, oh my yeah. God, Callisto. <laughs> She's so frightening. <laughs> She's like, oh I thought God. you were frightening before, but now I feel like I really see the rage. <laughs> so she good. Just, yeah. She's like channeling a higher power of yes, rage. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we should like, next time I'm angry, I just need to like worship at the altar of Callisto yes, to like harness this. Altars. <laughs> I would love that. Patron state of rage. Yeah. So they fall down a sandy hill finally, slowly at the base of this hill, sinking into the quicksand. Oh no. Callisto's cackling. She's like, we're both going to die. I How know. wonderful. Spent an eternity in Tartarus together. <laughs> and Zina throws the chakram into a log, mm-hmm. whips it, and then is able to pull herself out yeah. while Callisto is slowly sinking. I know. Callisto laughs, like, but then she's begging for help. But she's begging for help in like a really frightening, like ironic way. Like, yeah. Zina, help me. Well, it's just really hard to like know how she actually feels because she's oh, such I- a scary person. I don't think she was asking for help at all. I think she was just like oh. wanting Xena to do it because it's going to be the exact same thing over and yeah. over and over. Well, like, she wasn't going like, to stop her, trying to kill Xena. Yeah, Zena it's her, just like, sure. help me, help me. And then she's just going to tr- come after her and kill everyone she loves again. Yes. So she has to make Xena let her die, mm-hmm. which is like just as torturous to Xena. I know. So I think, yeah. Oh you my can't gosh. just let me die. I know, Zena, but this is really going to haunt Xena. And that's what oh, she yeah. wants. I know. Oh my gosh, that how her terrifying oracle. to watch someone like sink into quicksand and be like, uh. And Zina just think lets her go. Mm-hmm. She lets her die, watches her scream and be succumbed and consumed into the pit. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you want to hear all about quicksand? I want to hear all about quicksand. 
All right. Let's, Tell let's me get about to my it. notes. Let's Did they have it in ancient notes. Greece? Go Question number notes. one. I hope you prepared for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're asking a lot of questions. So, I mean, it's kind of everywhere. So I read the Encyclopedia Britannica article mm-hmm. on quicksand. And then I also read this excellent article <gasps> in Slate.com Ooh. called Terra Inferma, The Rise and Fall of Quicksand Ooh. by Daniel Engber. So it's mostly just like a shot for shot me retelling that article because it was so good. Tell so me. thank you, Daniel Engber. You did a great job. So quicksand is the state in which saturated sand loses its supporting capacity and acquires the character of a liquid. Hmm. Quicksand is usually found in hollows at the mouth of large rivers or along flat stretches of streams or beaches where pools of water become partially filled with sand and an underlying layer of stiff clay or other dense material prevents drainage. So it's exactly, this is totally a situation where quicksand would happen. Oh my gosh, I never knew that it could be on a beach. I know. Well, I mean... Like for you and I have played on beaches and there's like definitely some quicksand stuff that we've experienced. Yeah, I guess so. I know, but it, this just happens like <laughs> at like, the edges of rivers and stuff where yeah. like the water is, yeah, anyway. So it's like kind of like semi-liquid sand, but underneath there's something solid? So there's something solid like a clay on the okay. bottom, which isn't allowing the liquid to seep uh, through. So the liquid just, is just kind of staying there and being yes. totally sedentary, no movement at all. So when mm-hmm. you look at it, it looks like it's totally dry sand, but you step in it and you fall in. Oh my in. gosh, how weird. I know, it's super weird. So yeah, mixture of sand, mud, and vegetation and bogs often bogs. act like true quicksands. So this is totally reasonable that this quicksand pit would be in this space in this episode. People used to think that it was a special type of sand, but quicksand is now recognized as a condition that may be assumed if any sand, if its effective weight is temporarily or permanently carried by interstitial water. So it's not, there's not like one brand of quicksand that only shows up in one area. Mm. So sometimes the sand is so loose that if you step on it, it's suddenly like it's turned into water. So a person or animal may become kind of like slowly engulfed in the fluid but actually, the density of the sand water suspension is more dense than the human body. So you cannot sink below the surface. Really? What? Yes. You cannot sink below the surface. So struggling may lead to like a loss of balance and drowning, like if a tide comes in or if you get like your foot caught in a root or something. Yeah. But like there have been many experiments like I talk about later, but really a human would just sink to their chest in it because you're... It's more dense. Oh, so that's why you're not supposed to like struggle in it and get freaked out. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, struggling may lead to the loss of balance, blah, blah, blah. So people have died in them, but Mm -hmm. it's not because it pulls you under like the Ah. depictions of quicksand. So the possibility has no doubt led to the superstition prevalent in literature that quicksand has the ability to draw a person to his death. Mm. But again, it's not going to suck you under and lead to suffocation unless you somehow do that yourself. Interesting. So in this great Slate article, he talks about how the quicksand trope in fantasy adventure film and TV is just like so prevalent in the 20th century. So it was super popular in the 90s. That was kind of like the end sort of of its popularity. Uh But um, it was mostly from like like 50s through the 90s yeah. is when it was really popular in like Western pop culture. Interesting. So it was a plot device that doesn't require character motivation or story, really. Mm-hmm. So you could just like suddenly have the protagonist sinking. You didn't Uh-oh. have to build up to it. You don't have to do anything. It just right. happens. And to survive requires some kind of like serendipity and some skill. So we see like Xena mm-hmm. you know, just happens to have the whip and there happens to be a log there. She can help yeah. herself. So then this article took a turn for the excellent. <gasps> 
So I'm not here to judge anyone for what they're into. We all deserve to be totally happy as long as our actions are consensual with any other parties involved and everything <laughs> is cool. What's going here? <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> when did it... Did I sign up for this? <laughs> like, this is consensual, I, I believe. <laughs> so I was very surprised, although I shouldn't have been, to read about a 90s online community of quote-unquote quicksand enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Some people call themselves sinkers. <laughs> who really crave the sensation of being mired in the mud. I could see that being comfy. Yeah, so like the suction when you're being dragged down. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this sort of bondage fantasy is in line with that. And I can understand the kind of want for that sensation of being warm and held all over. Kind of like a mud bath or something. Yeah, like I've been in a mud bath and I hate them. So (laughs) I'm clearly not a sinker. I imagine they're kind of pleasant, but Uh, not so much. I went with my mom once when I was a teen and I was like, I hate this. But I think also I was like a teen and did not want to be like in a mud bath with with a bunch of like (laughs) Middle East ladies. (laughs) Not my jam. I know the scene. So they're all Mm -hmm. just like sinker community. They're all online sharing information. So in the past 10 years, someone kind of set up this collaborative Google map. Oh my gosh. What? I know. The holes are assigned a one to 10 score depending on. Share screen. I know. So (laughs) the the one to 10 score, I don't have it up. So the score depends on privacy, depth, thickness, and available parking. (laughs) (laughs) What's best? Thicker is better. I would think thicker is probably good, mm-hmm. right? And you probably want it to be pretty deep, but not so deep that like, right. You want to like maybe be able to touch your toes to the solid part. Yeah, but only if you like stretch your foot. Probably. Yeah. So folks would post stories to these message boards, like you know, making fan fiction about quicksand experiences. Oh my god! Often that fan fiction has got to be wild. Yeah. So there's a lot of fantasies about kind of the damsel in distress heroic rescue Hmm. so there's some of that there's some of it like happening to you happening Mm -hmm. to other people Mm -hmm. so as of 2019 the online forum has around 1,000 members from all over the world and they're mostly Hmm. in their 40s and 50s so which like kind of indicates people who can use the internet with ease but they grew up watching like this quicksand tropey adventure shows right so these folks in the 90s a little bit right before the internet would splice together clips and make libraries on VHS and just like pass them around and oh, the group, like mail them to each my other. My God, <laughs> where can we find these VHSs? It's like <laughs> such a great niche. It's so good. Oh my God. So then, once like internet was more prevalent, people would be sharing clips, which mm-hmm. is a lot easier to do. And then it's this kind of like hive mind project. Oh my God! Where can you imagine if to you identify. Like went to somebody's house in like 1994 and they had like three different like. VHSs that were just clips of people sinking into quicksand. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we've been to those people's houses. It would be very surprising. You'd be like, it would be surprising, but I feel, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the kind of thing people did in the 90s, I guess, is collect weird VHS clips. Like we have a, yeah, a little trove of VHSs with like random stuff we recorded from TV. Exactly. It's like such like a dedicated interest to like have. I mean, it's a, it's an obsession. Yeah. It's great. I love Mm -hmm. it. It's just one of the other niche things that it's, I think it's also like it's not so easily accessible but it is accessible like you can yeah. find these things places oh my gosh so I looked up a guide to tv and movie quicksand scenes online and there are a lot on google this is an yes. easy thing to find so I click over to one of the forums 
and kind of felt like a little bit like I had a celebrity sighting because one of the mm. major usernames from the Slate article, Crypto mm-hmm. is his name, was like at the top of the forum and he posted in like 2020. I was uh-huh. like, he's still active. <laughs> Crypto's is. going. Quicksand Love is still alive. Yeah. So Crypto's list, quote unquote, has been through 29 iterations, mm. has over 1,000 entries. And the first entry of like Quicksand expressions or depictions through history is the silent French Gaumont melodrama Rescued from the Quicksand from 1909. Mm. The list covers TV, feature films, commercials, video games, reality shows, cartoons, documentaries, and music videos. Wow. So, and I have a really great graph from the article that I'll share on Instagram. Cool. So, it really hit its peak in the 1960s, mm-hmm. where one in 35 films of the era had someone sinking in mud, sand, or clay. I believe it. Isn't that crazy, though? <laughs> it is kind of funny that that was like, like, why did they, is it just because of the, like, ease of the plot device and, like, the, like... It's a lot of things. I'll, um Travel obsession. There's a little bit more... I'll get to in a second that I think you'll find interesting. Okay. So, like, one of the earliest known depictions of quicksand was from this very cool piece of art called the Bayou Tapestry, Bayou, Mm. which is embroidered linen cloth that's almost 70 meters long, 50 centimeters tall, which sequentially depicts the events leading up to the Norman conquest of England. Hmm. It's kind of like this big, like, paneled tapestry comic book. Yeah. I mean, quote, unquote, graphic novel. Dates to the 11th century. And there's 70 scenes on there. And one of them depicts a pair of soldiers who are trapped in mud near Mont Saint-Michel. Oh. oh, no. So it's like part of this like kind of conquest theme. Interesting. And it was considered a maritime hazard too. So European ships in the 17th and 18th centuries reported being trapped in shoals of the coastline. Oh, no. So it becomes this kind of like Western, from a Western viewpoint, this metaphor for exploring into the unknown. Yes. This like... I feel like the times that I've seen it in like movies and stuff, it's usually like an exotic place. Yes. It's never like downtown or like. Yeah. No, so it's definitely this like colonizer metaphor for Mm -hmm. the dangers of quote unquote like wildness and strange lands. Mm -hmm. So these sinkhole stories are kind of predominantly happen historically to white explorers, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. who are trying to spread their version of civilization. Yes. And it becomes this metaphor for being trapped in the unknown. Like in Swiss Family Robinson, when that zebra gets trapped. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so quicksand in the American landscape was also used in 19th century literature about the quote-unquote untamed West and mm-hmm. like manifest destiny. So it's like happening on the American soil. Yeah. In the 20th century, quicksand was big in American TV during the Vietnam War, where Americans ah. were being fed this colonizer view of these like foreign jungles, right. quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So quicksand was a common storytelling tool in the 20th century Western pop culture to yeah, make place for dangerous, frightening, unknown, mysterious, without having like gratuitous violence or sex. Mm-hmm. And it adds this kind of general fear of the unknown and cultural differences without labeling anything or like overtly so pointing fingers. Yeah. I, know, I just thought that was so fascinating. This yeah. like coded metaphor for like such racism and colonization. Right. And if you think about like also prior like projects, it's different, but of like managing swamps and things like that, the kind of like colonialist slash like big state projects to kind of Mm. dominate the landscape and kind of transform so-called backwaters or whatever into something productive for the state. Exactly. It kind of fits into that as as well. Yeah. That's so so fascinating. So people in the 60s were like, you know, kind of caught up in this fervor. People were nervous about quicksand on the moon. 
And like <laughs> theories about it were presented to the American Senate in like 1963. Oh my God. It was, like such a concern. <laughs> I know. That's hilarious. Like, what are we going to find up there? <laughs> what if they're colonizing? I know. Prepare the, <laughs> prepare the astronauts. So the article kind of then goes on to talk about the fall of the quicksand trope. And he says a lot of people who are into it now kind of grew up in these suburban areas where there were like rock quarries mm. or where there was more abandoned spaces to play and kind of let your imagination run wild. And he says that urban sprawl affected it to the mm-hmm. prevalence of it in storytelling. So I'm not sure how much I believe that. Yeah. I think kids will kind of play whatever stories they're like being fed. Right. So like I know I watched a lot of 60s and 70s TV shows just like from being on reruns on Nickelodeon. Right. And was exposed to a lot of quicksand tropes. And we definitely like. Yeah. Played that. It'd be like, oh, quicksand. No. Yeah. No. Like falling behind the couch. Yeah. And like you have to <laughs> right. grab me. But then yeah. you and I also played on the beach a lot. So we were exposed to like actual you know, I guess that could be like a rock quarry of our right. space. So I don't know. But of course, we're also not sinkers. We may be people who played quicksand, but. Yeah, we're, I mean, I'm not a sinker. <laughs> not Let's be clear. Anything wrong with being a sinker. I can understand no, no, I'm that. I'm not kind saying of that at all. I am just. Interest. Um, but I have never had like a list and been obsessed no. with it. No. So, yeah, I feel like if you have access to sand, you're probably going to use it as a storytelling element, mm-hmm. like as a kid. But sandboxes are kind of slowly being replaced in public parks with like rubber sheets and wood chips and other stuff. So yeah. like maybe the storytelling is changing from that. Maybe. And then sandboxes were actually invented in the mid-19th century Ooh. by a German educator, Friedrich Frubel. Friedrich. Hugely, Friedrich Frubel. And they were hugely popular, a playground standard until 1986. A geologist doctor, Mark Germain published his findings about how gnarly the sandbox actually is (laughs) and how much there's like carcinogens, you know, used condoms, hypodermic needles, band-aids, like all sorts of nasty stuff in there. That's true. So they fell out of favor in the 90s and 2000s. That's so interesting. Alongside, yeah, quicksand kind of falling out of favor in modern day storytelling. Mythbusters did an episode on quicksand. And if anybody's watched Mythbusters, great show. Mm -hmm. So they filled a canister with 20,000 pounds of sand and water. Adam got in and he only sank to his chest. So the Mm. myth was busted. 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 Author also says viewers are more educated now in the workings of quicksand. So it's not this like mysterious thing. And I feel like we're also a lot more aware of just those kind of like othering themes of foreign Mm -hmm. exotic places. So it's just, it doesn't really land as well. Yeah. My personal most heartbreaking quicksand moment was with Artax, a never-ending story. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. It's the so worst. sad. I we know. watched that and my son and I like cried. It's so it's sad. The worst. And then my it's son was like, we were playing it later and he was like, I would tell that horse not to go in there. And I was like, <laughs> good idea. And we yeah. played where the horse had to wait while we went through the swamp of sadness. Oh, that's a great way to get around that. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I was going to ask you what your favorite quicksand memory was. Do you have any quicksand moments? Oh my moments? gosh, well, that one's definitely the most devastating. The only other one that really sticks out to me, because we had the movie, which is obviously another like colonialist movie, but was Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. When that zebra gets stuck in the quicksand. And I think there's like a whole thing about how they like don't want it to move and they have to like pry it out with a log. Yeah. And like. Yeah, I remember as a kid <laughs> just being like. If you're ever in quicksand, don't move. Right. And like there that was a, a very choice piece of rules. information yeah. we had to share to <laughs> <Yeah>. everyone. <laughs> you know, just in case you ever ended up in quicksand. Like, why are we all so concerned? I know. I mean, it's probably also just like, yeah, I don't know why it's less resonant now. 
But like, I mean, I think a lot of these, all yeah. the reasons. Maybe it's just played out. Like it just got to be cliche. And so people stopped like putting it into stuff or something. Well, yeah. I mean, I think modern day folks like have a better sense of, oh, you, it, you could just get out of it. Because yeah, right. we've seen it a million times. Right. People just get out of it. And some somehow like the content that you don't struggle in it and that's the way you come out. It's yeah. like. I guess the stories themselves, like how would this benefit the plot? Like right, what would exactly. really. Yeah. Maybe there's like slightly more competition for like plot sophistication. Yeah. Maybe. And, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in this episode, it doesn't feel like quicksand is being used as a stand-in for white fear colonization. No. It's more so kind of using that damsel in distress trope as a tool, mm-hmm. which I think is cool and how they're using it. Because often it's, you know, in stories, it's like, you know, some like sad, useless, like right. white woman with blonde hair who's being sucked in. But Kalisto is not that. No. She is like the most, if she wanted to get herself out of this, I think she probably could. I think right. she was just like right now dying on purpose. Right. To mess to with Zena. On Zena. And it's also like the perfect way for them to have Zena have that moment where she's like still has to, she's never going to resolve the Kalisto thing. Yeah. Until maybe later. Yeah. Like she's making a choice, but there's not like she physical have to, like, blood stab. on her hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's also like quicksand is this kind of metaphor for hatred and self-loathing mm, and losing mm-hmm. yourself to hate and destruction. She's yes. just all consumed by uh, this oppressive hate. Oh my gosh. I know. And Zena can pull herself out of it. But she can. Kalisto it's can't. true. And Kalisto thought she would pull her down. But, but she, she won't. Couldn't. She can do it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Zena could pull her out, but it's not going to really save her at all. Oh my God. That's quicksand. That's folks. quicksand. Thank you, Justine. <laughs> Fascinating. Thanks, Slate. That was mm-hmm. a great article. I loved learning about it. Ugh, and I'm so you know, like those little communities, niche communities are like the best. Ugh, it's what we need. This is what we need on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sick of all of this internet for everyone. Oh my gosh, I want yeah. niche communities only that I can just get sucked into something. Only. Harmless niche communities. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, consensual. Just about harmless consensual. Niche communities. Yeah, I'm sensations like, that people like to have when they jump into quicksand. Yeah, no more incels. None of this. No, I want to hear about cryptoids. Yeah, <laughs> sinkers. All of it. And let's take out some of the conspiracy theories. Yeah, and just some toss of the, those. Only the fun ones. Only the fun that we ones. take with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we are back. We're back with Joxer and Zena. Zena's fixing his arrow wound. She's like, it's going to be fine. It'll leave a scar. You're very brave. Joxers sets off on his own. And Zena's like, great. Yeah. And Joxer's <laughs> kind of trying out some good names. He's like, maybe I'll be Joxer the yeah. Good. And we're like, well, we know you're going to be Joxer the Mighty, but we'll find that out in a couple yes. episodes. Mm-hmm. And Zena walks over to Gabby. And then what's Gabby doing? She's like, what are you doing? Gabby's just like loving him. She's just feeling the sun on her face because mm-hmm. that was the last moment they shared mm-hmm. was the beautiful sunshine. And now every time she feels a ray of sunshine on her face, she's going to think about her love. Aww. And that's very romantic and sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Zena's like, he'll hear your thoughts. And Gabby's like, forever and ever. They're connected. They're forever connected. That way. And that's nice that storyline wise that Gabby can have some closure to the Verticus thing. Yeah. And have it be like part of her heart but not have it be something that's always a choice that she's having to make kind of regularly or whatever yeah although usually we don't have to like have people die to yeah make that kind of choice no but it is also and it's great that Zeno is able to 
be there for Gabby in that way. I guess it's like, I mean, it's a little like codependent to like have to have this person fix your problems for you. Mm-hmm. But it was great that Xena could do that for her. And yeah. she's the only person who could have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were, you know, we are kind of building this Xena and Gabby duo plus like Joxer as the support person yeah. Yeah. trio that we get to in this season, which is probably like classic Haley and Justine timing watching Xena. Yeah, we like that trio. Mm -hmm. So the little uh, tagline at the end of the episode is, although Xena finally conquered her dark nemesis, Callisto, it took her weeks to get the sand out of her leather unmentionables. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine doing that. It sounds like a difficult task. Just go wash them in the ocean. Well, you know, sand will stick around. Those little crevices and leather unmentionables are. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, and then once, like, you wouldn't want to put your leather in the salt water. It'd be awful. Mm-hmm. Who's your extra Oscar for this episode? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I forgot to look for one. Let me think. Do you have one already? Um, I I mean, it wasn't, like, a, a key extra, like, how we like our extras. Yeah. But I did really like the guards at the beginning and, the, yeah. like, the piggy-piggy stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. And I thought Theodorus was a good kind of man in love in the he was definitely a man in love Callisto yeah. scenes and I, I love the all... kind of Callisto dancers that were just kind of hanging yeah. out in the club yeah I liked all the criminals mm-hmm. when they were all like being prisoners just going Callisto Callisto <laughs> yeah, that was good too I loved her <laughs> like I like having that kind of like rough macho male support to a female yes, I know, character is it. cool mm-hmm. what was your Gabby moment um my Gabby moment, I guess. I mean, I, I loved her, like, beautiful sunshine walk with Perdiccas. I thought that was yeah. really a happy moment for her. I guess maybe the end when she's, like... In the sun again. hmm back in the sun. I wasn't crazy about her Perdiccas storyline in the episode, but I thought Renee O'Connor did an amazing job with it. She um, was so good. Yeah. I really... I loved her... Um, kind of reclaiming her identity through her grief and mm-hmm. rage yeah was really cool was super I liked, important yeah like I I was kind of thinking on this and like I don't know what my favorite moment was because like again I also didn't like the Perdiccas stuff but yeah I did really like when she couldn't kill Callisto mm-hmm. and she just like refused she made the choice yeah to not give in to her hatred even though she like had moments of letting herself be all consumed right. and like I mean, I think that was super important for her to, like, have those times when she was showing yeah. her dark side to Xena and being yeah. like, I really do want this. And this is something yeah. that I've decided and and kind of testing those boundaries and, like, yeah. insisting on her own, like, choice there as well. Yeah. And I think it's really important to be able to not be perfect all the time mm-hmm. and get, like, be angry when something awful happens. Yeah. And be able to say whatever you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And then the people you care about in your life are still going to like be there for you. Like Zena, like no matter yeah. what Gabrielle says or whatever she like ideal she gives up in the moment, she's still she's always going to love Gabrielle. And then that gives Gabrielle the strength to then go back to her own ideals because, you know, someone she cares about is holding her identity for her and holding mm-hmm. space for her. Yeah. I that was really sweet. I know. I so I like these really moments important. of choice. Yeah. yeah. And really that like this clear split in this episode of seeing like, oh, this is how you make a Callisto. Mm-hmm. And Xena didn't do that with Gabrielle. You know, she would like mm-hmm. Callisto trying to just keep fomenting this 
Yeah, like rolling ball of this horrible cycle of like torture and hatred and keeps us going. And yeah, Zena just keeps trying to break that cycle. Right. And I think as you're talking, it's making me realize like how much Gabby's holding all the time too. Like yeah. she's such an open person. And, you know, we see that kind of a little bit. We read it maybe as to, to her detriment in the Perdiccas storyline where it's like, you don't have to hold everybody's pain all the time. Yeah. But, you know, this episode gives her some space to not hold Xena's pain while she's in mourning. Yeah. And to be like, yeah. actually, this isn't really about Xena and her past right now. Yeah. Like, I hate, I don't know, I definitely notice myself really getting frustrated whenever Gabrielle has to occupy these, like, quote unquote, traditionally, like, female, like, binary mm-hmm. spaces where mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you have to be a wife now or you have to, like, find this young man that you love and that's your identity now Uh, that always like I always hate it and then I kind of blame her character for it Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm working through in this rewatch (laughs) of this podcast yeah not blaming the woman for how she's written (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and and like I mean I think that part of the challenge that I had with the Perdica storyline is that it doesn't allow her to to hold her own space either yeah, like it's just exactly. another person that she's trying to take care of. And yeah. And I think, you know, I was surprised with her choice to go with Perdiccas, but it seemed like kind of more surprising that Perdiccas was making that demand on her. Maybe not surprising, yeah. but like more offensive that he was making that demand on her, given that they maybe had a history, but it's not really Gabrielle's place or doesn't suit her needs to be there as his entire support system at this moment you know so like I didn't read like our frustration with the Perdiccas storyline as being like angry at Gabby so much but I do see where you're coming from where it's like we're often like Gabby don't what yeah I think like in a symptom of a larger thing of like like what you were saying about her having to hold everyone else's emotions like that's such a Mm -hmm. traditional female thing that we have to do and it's frustrating Um, I know in like my personal life I get frustrated when I have to do that like in Mm -hmm. work situations where it's like you know if you're working with like you know, male coworkers or whatever, like often I would end up being the one who'd have to hold all the emotional space. Right. Yeah. And it's frustrating and hard and I hate it. And I Mm -hmm. hate when it's like seeing Gabby have to do that too. Yeah. Right. So it's just my personal projections onto Gabrielle because what (laughs) else is the show if it's not our personal lives projected onto? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we all feel frustrated (sighs) sometimes that we are Gabrielle. And not, I know, that's not always it. Zena, like that's, 100%. <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, get, I'm like, I only ever want to be, yeah, yes. <laughs> I just want to be the warrior princess with a dark past. <laughs> but instead, I can't take armor. people's emotions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you all like what we're doing here, please rate and subscribe and follow and comment on this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. Yeah. We're on so many. Wherever you're listening right now, just give us a rating, write us a little comment, more review, yeah. which is the kind of lifeblood of podcasts and really helps others find us and gets us into that algorithm. Woo-hoo. And we like reading them, of course. We love reading them. We <laughs> mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate any of you guys. We love connecting with you guys and, you know hearing what you have to say also if you like hear something that's interesting and you're like hey i know something about that um we've had some really awesome emails and stuff from listeners with cool sources and stuff like that we always are super excited to see that 
yeah, we would love that. If you want to email us at chattyfood at gmail.com, <laughs> which is a reference to what, how we refer to Gabrielle when she's trying to talk herself out of a situation. So that's yes. why it's chattyfood at gmail.com <laughs> if you haven't been listening to this podcast. <laughs> so we also have a Patreon going on, which is patreon.com slash I-A-T-O-A-G, the Xena podcast. There's links to all of our social media and everything in this episode description, also in our social media Instagram and Facebook. So Patreon, we have $1, $5, and $10 a month levels. We send out extra research from episodes for the Patreon members. We do mini episodes um, and we do custom art and hilarious cult flyers that Haley's been making that are super funny. We also send out additional screenshots from the episodes. So our Instagram is I-A-T-O-A-G underscore the Xena podcast. And it's really hilarious. It makes me laugh. I like Checking in with you guys on Instagram and sharing like, silly screenshots. Mm-hmm. We also have merch on Teespring. All the links to all of that stuff is in the podcast description yeah. for this episode and also on our Facebooks. Yeah. Socks, t-shirts, etc. Offer a 15% off discount on the web store on our Teespring shop with the code IATOAG21. Woohoo. Yeah, links everywhere. And now... <gasps> An announcement. We have we have From a our great very own podcast Haley. <laughs> announcement. Yes. What's going on, Haley? Oh, um, hey, I'm pregnant. What? Woohoo! <laughs> Haley's pregnant. There's a baby in there kicking around, getting ready to come out. Yeah. He's coming out soon, like, you know, a couple months from now. Can't believe it. Yeah, September. Yeah. Right? He's get he's getting bigger, and I'm super excited about it. And I'm just gonna not sleep for a while when he comes yeah, out. So, so. <laughs> we are so excited about this. Mm-hmm. It, we could not be more excited to grow the Iadwag family. <laughs> more little little dudes to play with. Little initiates. So because of this, we are going to be putting a pause on our full episodes from kind of September through December. So mm-hmm. Haley has time to bond with that baby. And yeah. Teach baby how to ululate. Mm-hmm. Teach baby how to use a chakram. Yeah. Teach baby how to do little roundhouse kicks. We're very mm-hmm. excited. Yeah. But I will still be around putting out some little like mini content episodes. Yeah. It's going to be fun. So it won't Super be awesome. a an wag drought. It'll just be a divergent be a path of Iadawag. <laughs> A light drought. <laughs> a light drought. But yeah, there just won't be any Haley for a bit. But don't worry, she and I will still check in yeah. every so often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we will. Can't wait. All right. Haley. Yay. Yay. Baby. But yeah, we'll be doing another episode in August and then we'll check in and again. Then then. Checking it in on January, we expect. Check in January. When yeah. that baby's all grown up. Yeah, he can fend for himself. He'll be mm-hmm. in college. Yeah, he'll be in college then, so it'll be fine. And it's going to be well, great. We can't wait. Congratulations, Haley. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> um, and that's so all thank my you guys news. for being here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any fun news. That's all. I'm just, I'm ex- I'll be doing some solo eps. Oh, cool. yeah. So. Until next time. That's it. Uh, yeah. Until next time. <gasps> 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 yeah.